You're listening to a special podcast produced by UMFM 101.5 in partnership with the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Running Thursday, July 7th through Sunday, July 10th at picturesque Birds Hill Park. Winnipeg Folk Festival is a celebration of people and music that has been one of North America's premier outdoor music festivals for over 40 years. I'm Michael Elves, host of Thank God It's Free Range, and this episode spotlights Leith Ross. Leith Ross, a singer-songwriter from just outside Ottawa, Ontario, released their debut AP, Motherwell, in late 2020 on Winnipeg label Birthday Cake Records. Created in part with college mates as an assignment for Humber College, the album was recorded live off the floor. Leith Ross will be performing at Spruce Hollow Stage on Friday, July 8th at 3.15 p.m. For the full lineup, a complete list of set times, to purchase tickets and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival, visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca. Right, well, coming to Birds Hill Park to play the Winnipeg Folk Festival, singer-songwriter Laith Ross, who joins us by phone. Welcome to the show, Laith. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Uh, you just came back from a, a pretty hefty UK tour, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yes. Uh, what, what was that experience like? It was great. It was, um, it was very overwhelming. I'd never been on tour before, and I'd never been to Europe or the UK, so... It was a lot of new experiences at once, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I was opening solo, which was a, which was a, I think a good learning experience for me. The whole thing was a really good learning experience and I'm definitely still digesting it. There's no way that all that stuff has sunk in yet. Um, but it was great. Yeah. Uh, you, you released your record in 2020 mm-hmm. and then obviously, uh, touring became a, uh, a no go. Uh, yeah. Having sat on your songs for for that long and then getting the chance to do this, was this like, was there a lot of kind of like pent up energy or was there a lot of anxiety about kind of like taking these songs out at this point? True. Um, I think a mixture of both um, and also just sort of like a, I would describe it best as like a, a disconnect. Like I wrote the songs in maybe the year before I recorded them Um and then once they were recorded, then it was another year before they came out. Um, and then it was essentially two years of the pandemic before I was ever playing them on the road. Mm. Um, so there, it was just sort of more like there there wasn't, in my mind, sort of a direct correlation between going on the road and playing those songs in my current life versus when I wrote and recorded them. So there's yeah, it was a, interesting. a lot of distance between the you that created those songs and the you that was performing them? Yes, exactly. Um, but I think sort of what rejuvenated my love for them was being able to meet people who love the songs and see people enjoy them. Um, and that kind of painted them in a new light for me, I think. Right. Yeah, I guess having those people have the opportunity to really sit with those songs for a while rather than maybe having just heard them and then going out to see you, it maybe yeah, has exactly. some more resonance to them. Yeah, maybe. True. I do think there was some moments of real joy of sort of, it's my first time being on the road and it was some people's first time ever hearing me play. Um, but we had somehow already built up such a weird connection through the internet. <laughs> so there was a, a wonderful moment of everything being contextualized and getting to look into each other's eyeballs and, you know, yeah, share a space. It was lovely. The, I mean, so the intimacy of a lot of like European singer songwriter shows is like the, the like crowds sit pretty attentively and, and, and watch and there's not, a, it's not like a lot of barroom chatter, like a North American show. Mm. I, I think that shares a similarity with the folk fest, right? Like it's, like the people are, are there for the music and, and really kind of in tune with what the artist is putting out. Did, do you feel like you, you, you work best in a, in a venue like that or in a, in a space like that or, or have, I mean, I guess you didn't have much in terms of experience of like playing a bar show if I'm looking at yeah. the dates, right? I mean, I, I did, but it was always like when I was in school in Toronto, but it was always um, as a background singer. So it wasn't, it's not quite the same thing, you know, you're not, you're not the one in the center of the stage bearing your soul, as mm-hmm. it were. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I, have, I haven't had a ton of experience to figure out what works best. Obviously, it's lovely when people listen, and I, my music is very um, soft and very sort of tender. So I think it works best in a room that is quieter. Um, and I think also it's so lyrical, lyrically based, so... Um, it's also nice when people can hear what I'm saying. Right. Um, yeah. And on the tour, cause it was an opening, 
an opening slot for the lovely Andy Schaaf. It was very, like, it really differed. The rooms really differed. Um, and in the rooms where it was very quiet and a bit smaller, people were really attentive. It was always sort of pretty magical. Right. You mentioned the the, the lyrics. Uh, it's very lyrically oriented. Like, do you write lyrics first and then come up with melodies or, or songs to fit those lyrics? Or, like, what's your songwriting process? My songwriting process is very... Um, the lyrics and the melody, all of it is is really all happening at the same time when I write. Mm. It's very, um, and it happens really fast too. So it's very like I'll be having a feeling and wanting to express it. And then I sit down and sort of all comes out at once um, in like a few hours. And then once I'm finished, I'm just finished and I usually don't um, revisit the song. It's kind of like a big burst of energy and a big blob that falls out of my mouth. And then it's sort of over. So it's it just kind of bursts out of you. Do you do any like revisions or editing, or is it like okay, this is what came out of me, and so this is what it is? Yes, I usually don't edit. I think I'm I mostly just let. There's this sort of feeling I get when I go go back to edit some songs where I don't trust the person that's editing as much as I trust the person who was feeling that thing strongly enough to write a song about it. Hmm. Um. And so I kind of, I will sometimes like change up the arrangement of something if I think it works better. But for the most part, I like to trust the version of Lisa that um, wrote the song in the first place because they were much more in the headspace um, for the song than I am later. Right. So then when it comes to, you know, say putting the EP together, did you mm-hmm. sort through other songs like and, and try to figure out like what, what the album was or what the EP was, or was that just simply like, this is the stuff that kind of burst out for me at that time. So this is what, what's going to be on the record. Yeah, it was exactly that actually. So the EP came together really spontaneously. It was my final project for Humber college. And you're supposed to do just like two or three songs. Um, the project is to create a 15 minute EP. Um, and, but you can use the studio time for anything you'd like. So, Basically, um, like a few weeks before my last recording session for the um, for the project, I emailed the sound engineer. I was like, "Can we try to do some stuff live off the floor?" Because we just played through some of the songs that I wrote recently, just for fun with the band, and they went really well. And so, um, Motherwell is actually just a three and a half, four hour live session, essentially. Mm. So. Um, and it was all songs that had been written in the like six months prior of my life. It was sort of like a hard time for me and I was writing a lot. And then we were just like, okay, we're just going to throw together all these songs from this, like all my favorite songs from this last little period, record them really like live off the floor, see how many we can get done and then just sort of see what happens. And it ended up working really well. And that's what money was. You said the six months was, it was a hard time for you. Do you find the writing is a, a processing uh, method for you or was it something that just because of the fact that you needed to finish this project for Humber, you kind of had to hunker down and do that? Like, Oh yeah, no, definitely the former writing is like, it's, um, it's very, it's very like journaling um, to me. I use it to not only like sort of process and write down what I'm feeling, but I also use it to figure out what I'm feeling. I feel like sometimes I'll sit down to write a song and I'll, and I'll be, I'll have, 
an ability to center in on what it is I'm actually upset about it or what it is I'm actually thinking about when before it was a bit clouded. So I definitely do use it as a tool, especially to get through the harder times in my life. So when you kind of like put these lyrics down, do you go back and read them and then that's like how you kind of sort out your feelings or like what headspace you're in? Like you, you're like, oh, wait, I, from a critical remove, I now see kind of what I was thinking or what I was processing. Yeah, sometimes it's that. And then sometimes I'll like get to the third verse of the song. I'll be like, okay, what am I trying to say here? What am I trying to say in this song? And then I'll, I'll narrow in on the concept. <laughs> and then the concept is just how I feel. So it's like this, I'm, I'm sort of piecing everything in my, in my brain together at that moment. And um, I'm doing it to finish the song, but then what ends up happening is that I just sort of start understanding something about myself a lot better by trying to figure out what I was trying to say by writing the song. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I think I know what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. I, I read a a review of the record that uh, was on Early Rising, but they had a quote from you about the the message behind the record being, I've always been someone who would strike up a conversation with a stranger on the streetcar on the way home from buying groceries. Around that time, I hadn't been leaving the house to get groceries. They got delivered to my door. This song mourns the moment in my future where I'll inevitably choose the ease offered to me over the moment of anxiety that leads to something precious. I feel like that's maybe a, a statement on creativity too that like the anxiety of the the work that goes into to creating something versus like taking an easier easier path and and maybe that as difficult as it might be it it leads to something more fruitful as a creator yeah absolutely i feel like there's so i mean it's like a you know age-old saying of the easy way out but i think there's so many things that it's so easy to be scared of especially in creativity and and also every part of of being creative especially the later the latter bits when you're like you know moving into putting like bringing something on stage sharing with people that you love sharing with the whole wide universe <laughs> it's very anxiety inducing but all of the most rewarding um bits of getting to share music with the world have come post forcing myself to be vulnerable and um, to sing for people and to put music out and even to, you know, jump into making a new project, even though that is also really scary. I feel like remembering how, how gratifying and, and wonderful and human it is on the other side to connect with people um, makes all the anxiety and stuff worth it. It's just sometimes hard to remember it in the moment. Did you ever have uh, that anxiety about like striking up a conversation with a stranger? Was that tied to it at all? I I think that was more sort of like I didn't have it before, you know, and then I was mourning it, both because of the pandemic and also just growing up and uh, losing a bit of my rose-colored glasses about people and the world and you know, not always for unjustified reasons. Um but just it just made me sad because that human connection is something that I I feel like I really crave and need and I mean all of us do um, and so it's been nice to sort of be able to access that through music instead because at the beginning of like in the past few years I've been I've been sorely missing just like 
getting to know strangers. Well, it seemed like, you know, curiosity being a, a stronger impulse than anxiety or, or, or fear that like you, you would push through that or, you know, the, what you wanted to discover was more important than like how, how difficult that discovery might be. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way of putting it. There's piano and guitar on, on Motherwell. I'm curious, do you write with one or the other instruments uh, in mind initially? Like, do you sit down at the piano or do you pull out a guitar? Like what's your go-to? Yeah, it sort of depends. I would say mostly I write on guitar, but then sometimes I'll have an idea for a song and it'll just sort of feel like piano would fit it better. Or sometimes I I try to force myself to write on piano a little more because I'm not quite as used to it, and then I'll have some ideas that maybe I wouldn't have when I'm writing on guitar. Um, but I do I love them both dearly. I, I don't really have a preference in that sense. I feel like, um, you know... Sonically, I think they both fit really well with sort of what I write about, and I also just love the way that they sound. Were there any songwriters who you gravitated towards who, you know, used one or the other instrument or, or combined the two? Like, was that something growing up that was kind of part of the the background noise that eventually created created your own music? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say probably if I was going to be raised, I, like the way that I was raised is sort of be more, yeah, the, the guitar was a huge part of it. My, like growing up around the house, it was always like really old country playing or just sort of like um, acoustic folk tales, whether that was Celtic folk or sort of a more country folk thing. Um, so, you know, storytelling with an acoustic guitar is definitely sort of what first formed my musical brain. Um but then going to school and stuff and diving into a bunch of different other kinds of music sort of gave me a bit more of a love for piano as an instrument. Um, so piano, I would say, probably my later development. And then growing up, it was all, all old country and folk. Right. And that's like your parents' records that you'd get to listen to or were subject, yeah. <laughs> subjected to? Yeah. <laughs> Although now I, have a, I am very thankful for the music that they played me when I was a kid. Yeah, pretty good taste. Right on. Um, you you mentioned that you know it was you know a good year before the record came out that these songs were kind of like they they represent the length of that period, and then we've got two years in, into it. Are mm. have you been writing since then? And like, is the the Leith Ross that's in these songs a drastically different person than the Motherwell songs? True. Um, I have been writing a lot. I, I'm usually writing a lot. I do, I'm kind of, uh, it just is pretty common practice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think recently I've been having a little bit of a revisit to maybe something resembling the Leith Ross from the Motherwell era. Um, but feels more adult or something. feels more like I've, I think once I've, went through a few more phases of my life than the bad ones from when I was 19-ish. Um, I can sort of look upon my 19-year-old self with a bit more context and a bit a bit more ups and downs and sort of be able to understand that person better. And so now when I write, you know, really sad songs, if I'm in another 
little depressive episode or whatever. I sort of, I like to make odes to 19-year-old Lise writing those really sad songs. Um, but it doesn't feel quite so dire. So in general, there's sort of a feeling that that, that version of me is behind me a little bit, which I'm very grateful for. It's, it's so nice to know that on the other side of something that feels like world ending, that there's, you just get a couple years older and you can look back on it decently objectively. <laughs> so then playing those songs as you did in, in Europe, like, are you kind of looking with, with some maybe benevolence to the leaf of, of 19? Absolutely. It was, it felt very much like that. It was, I don't, I used to not be able to play those songs without crying because the, the experiences that I was writing about were so recent and, and still so tender. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then once I was on tour, I was playing those songs. I wasn't, I wasn't quite so emotionally in that place anymore. And so it felt, it felt so nice to only be concentrating and thinking about how, you know, the songs have connected with other people or how maybe they're just beautiful, you know, separate from what they mean and sort of like getting to see all the different sides of, of that experience and of those songs without, without being so in it that I'm crying on stage. <laughs> right. You mentioned uh, that you, songwriting is is a practice. Like, do you block out time? Like, do you sit down and say, "I'm going to write songs for this period of time a day," or like, what's what's that practice look like? True, it's actually I've almost never blocked out a time to write a song. I don't know that I ever have, unless I've been like forced to through school. Mm. I think for me, it's it's almost like a it's almost like a practice in being present or mindful. Like when when I'm Spending time with myself, I can tell when when I need to create something um, to get something out to to process one of my experiences. Um, and if I follow that that urge, that whim to do it, um, then generally I feel way better afterwards. So my practice is kind of like paying attention to myself and making sure that I create when when I sort of have this pull to create. Like last night, I was going to sleep and I was just about to fall asleep. And then my brain was like, ooh, we're having a feeling that we must do something about. And so I woke up and I journaled and then I wrote a song um, about what I was feeling. And then afterwards I felt way better and I had a really good sleep. So that's kind of <laughs> what what it looks like. It's, it can be any time of day, any time of night. And I sort of, if I have this feeling like I have to do it, then I have to do it. And, and that kind of feels like how I go about processing the world. Uh, you recently were named the first recipient of the John Prine Songwriter Fellowship. Does that come with like any kind of expectations about like like songs you have to create during that period or do, like do you have to kind of like create a practice of songwriting? I, you know what? I think the beautiful thing about John Prine specifically is that, you know, at first I was, I was sort of, thinking a similar thing I was like oh man like like and is this you know me is this similar to me like how much do I have to write what do I have to write about like blah 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 mm-hmm. um but I grew up listening to John Prine and I I think he's he from what I could tell from his lyrics and the way that he lived his life he was so funny he was so smart um 
so intelligent in every way, especially emotionally intelligent. And I feel like, you know, John Prine would have wanted me to have fun and and live and let those experiences soak in slower and, and sort of not be like, um, for lack of a better word, like sort of pretentious about songwriting, but rather, um, you know, say whatever I have to say and then go out and eat a sandwich and get a beer with my friends. So I feel like um, he's the perfect person to be inspiring for all the right reasons about living well and loving your life and writing music about that rather than making yourself write music to over-romanticize something, you know? Right. I feel like he was such an incredible, incredible writer for that specific, like, joy and beauty of life that comes so naturally. It's not forced. It's like a, a learned, lived experience that comes out with, like, just the most endearing, sort of half-comedic, half-soul-crushing philosophy sort of way. So he actually inspires me to be mindful about writing music in in that way versus, you know, maybe coming at it from a more academic perspective, mm. making myself do something. Sure. Before I let you go, Leith, I want to get you to pick a track off Motherwell that we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking that one or an anecdote about it, we'd love to hear that. Okay. Um, maybe Tommy. I It was the song I wrote about my grandfather who had passed about a year before or like in the year that I wrote it. Um, and I think it's like equal parts joy and nostalgia and, you know, but it's not, but it's not too slow and sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just about a great man who I miss very, very much. Um, yeah, that could be a good one. All right. We'll give that one a listen. Lee, thanks very much for taking some time and, uh, looking forward to seeing you at Birds Hill Park for Winnipeg Folk Festival. Thank you so much. Have a great day. an ox he was tough as a bull he had stories and poems and dirty jokes I came in running with my brother in tow we had dirt on our knees climbing on his feet to show Kids to remember when they grow up 
I'm Michael Elves, and you've been listening to a special podcast spotlighting Leith Ross, who will be performing on Friday, July 8th at 3.15 p.m. at Spruce Hollow Stage at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. To hear more featured artists, visit umfm.com, and be sure to visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca to get tickets to this great event running July 7th through 10th at Birds Hill Park. Tell me I love you.